Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Idaho Reports podcast for September 17th. I'm Melissa Davlin. On Thursday, the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare announced it had activated crisis standards of care statewide as hospitals in southwest and south-central Idaho became overrun with COVID-19 patients, nearly all of whom are unvaccinated. Crisis standards for North Idaho have been in place since September 6th. The crisis standards of care designation allows hospitals to operate with higher nurse-to-patient ratios and helps providers prioritize which patients receive limited resources depending on how ill they are and their chances of survival. It also means that some patients are being treated in makeshift patient care centers set up in classrooms or conference rooms. This affects all patients seeking care, not just those infected with COVID. While ICU bed availability varies hour by hour as patients are admitted, discharged, or die, at multiple times over the last week, there were fewer than 10 fully staffed ICU beds available in the entire state of Idaho. During a media call on Thursday, Dr. Jim Souza of St. Luke's Health System outlined the dire circumstances healthcare providers are facing. We've now stopped surgical procedures that can be reasonably expected to be associated with a significant risk of permanent disability or pathology. We can't measure the impact of this yet, but we will one day. Certain breast cancers and endometrial cancers and prostate cancers and bladder tumors, we will manage medically until we can get to them. We're staffing some of our hospital shifts with primary care providers who are amazing in their dedication and teamwork and who are not hospitalists. We're coming around now how best to support them with the acuity of illness that they're not used to caring for. We've given up any efforts to maintain open code beds due to the overflow that Chris talked about which has led to deteriorations on hospital floors that requires us to do prolonged bag ventilation of patients squeezing a bag up to hours in some cases, awaiting transfer to an ICU bed, often in a different hospital. We've needed to do the same occasionally due to the lack of a ventilator at a state. We've been using non-invasive ventilation devices that are primitive and basic on-off switch with no monitoring or sensing functions. We've begun to routinely ventilate and high-flow oxygenate patients in non-monitored floor settings with those devices. That can lead to alarms not being heard and serious safety events. We've administered vasopressor drugs to artificially support blood pressure via peripheral IVs in the vein instead of a central line for prolonged periods of time in non-ICU sites of care. We've backed off on monitoring of sedation and paralysis in our intensive care units due to lack of equipment and lack of time. We've reduced our vital sign monitoring despite the well-known admonition uh, in healthcare that vitals are vital. We've provided care for sepsis, a bad infection, inclusive of IV fluid challenges administration of vasopressor drugs and IV antibiotics in unmonitored settings in emergency department waiting rooms. We've had hypoxemic patients in our waiting rooms for periods in excess of four hours. And we've been boarding patients in ED sites of care for far longer than six hours, which is known to be associated with worse outcomes. Finally, we've been sending COVID patients home 
with oxygen and decadron prescriptions, steroid prescriptions, who would usually be admitted, hoping that their clear instructions and the support systems they have at home will function as their safety net when and if they deteriorate. All of this has led to significant moral injury to our providers and our nurses, all of whom hold themselves to such high standards and are used to providing the award-winning care that I already referred to. So in light of that eroding standard, we made the appeal. Dr. Stephen Emerson of St. Alphonsus said, while no patient in Idaho has been removed from a life-saving therapy so it could be used for someone else, if we continue on this trajectory, it will likely happen. All these things tell us that while it's bad today, it's going to get much worse. And we can expect this to continue for at least the next two weeks. And I am scared. I'm scared for all of us because while we are currently able to tread water and through the mechanisms that St. Luke's has shared with you, continue to deliver a reasonable standard of care, it's going to decline simply because a caregiver can't get to a patient fast enough. Earlier in the week, Idaho Department of Health and Welfare Director Dave Jepson said there is no peak in sight to this fourth wave. Hospital officials encouraged people to get vaccinated, though if you get the vaccine today, you still won't be fully protected for a few weeks. In the meantime, officials said the best thing Idahoans can do is avoid large gatherings, wear a mask, and avoid activities that may cause injury. Idaho added more than 100 deaths to its statewide total in the last three days, though at least 30 of those occurred over the summer and are just now being added. Statewide, the test positivity rate is 16.9%. Idaho Reports is planning another live special on the statewide hospital crisis. Watch for information as well as continued updates throughout the week on the Idaho Reports Facebook and Twitter pages. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.